0: It was a blessing yesterday to, uh, to attend Don Wyland's service here, and, um, and it was fun to hear his, his children and his, his relatives talk about their father's legacy, talk about Don's legacy, and to talk about what Don was devoted to in his life, and it, it made me think about this. I want, you, I want you to think for a minute about, uh, about your own childhood. When you were a child growing up, do you remember what your parents were devoted to? By devoted, I don't mean those things that, you know, they want you to have some basic morals and all that kind of stuff. I mean, what were your parents about? What did they live for? What, what, what uh, for you did they, they wanted to pass down, they wanted to structure their life in a certain way that you you saw what they were about. And maybe for you, you didn't have a, you know, maybe it wasn't a real clearly structured thing, but regardless of who your parents were, surely they were devoted to something. Maybe that was good, maybe that wasn't good. But uh, what did your parents invest their time into? What did your parents, as far as you can tell, spend their money on? Uh, What did, in your family, what did your parents frequently talk about? And I recognize that we have a whole host of different life experiences here, right? Maybe you're a young person here and you're still living under your parents' roof. And if so, it'd be interesting for you to ask, what would you say uh, your parents are devoted to? And, and uh, what values would you say your parents wanna pass down to you? Uh, the things to which we devote ourselves are the things that reveal what we love the most. The things we are devoted to determine how we live our lives. And the things that we are devoted to shape our legacies. It shapes how we will be remembered. After Jesus Christ died for sin and rose from the dead three days later, he told his followers, what to devote their lives to and as a result under the leadership of the the 12 apostles the first christians devoted themselves to certain things and if you've been with us we're going through this book of acts Uh, it's called the acts of the apostles which talks about what happened to the early church after jesus died rose again and ascended to heaven and acts 242 says that the first christians quote. Devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And last Sunday, I talked about what it meant that the first Christians were devoted to the apostles' teaching. And this morning, I want to talk about what it means that the first Christians were devoted to the fellowship. And I think it's kind of funny that it's not, it doesn't say they were devoted to fellowship, but there is actually a, it's called a definite article in Greek, the, they were devoted to the fellowship. And why was that so important to these first Christians? Why, in this list of only four things it tells us really clearly they were devoted themselves to, why does the fellowship make the top four? And uh, what might this look like for you and me here right now in 2018? Uh, if you have your Bible with you, go ahead and turn to Acts 2 if you haven't done so already. Um, and we'll start at verse 42. And I want to read through 47 so that we can see this verse in its context so that we can get a better idea of what devotion to the fellowship looked like in the lives of the first Christians who were led by the apostles, many of whom wrote the New Testament that we have. Before we read... um, Let's ask Lord to, the Lord to continue to help us now. Dear Lord, we, we thank you for this morning, we thank you already for the worship uh, experience that we've been able to have here, singing songs and, and uh, seeing the gospel proclaimed uh, through baptism and uh, as your followers, we thank you God for the gift of abundant life that you talk about uh, and that you have given to us, this eternal life that you offer to us, Jesus. We thank you for the price of eternal suffering that you paid for us on the cross to give us eternal life. And as we read today's passage, we ask that you would continue to help us and to help us understand what the fellowship is and why it's important to you and and how you wanna use this to shape our lives as individuals and as a church family um, for our good and for your glory. We want to love one another the way that you loved us, Jesus. We ask that, Holy Spirit, you would move in power now in our hearts and in this place. And please protect us from evil. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So like I mentioned on, the, uh, on last Sunday, on the front of your bulletin, if you look there, we have printed our church purpose statement, uh, which says that our church, Cedar Home Baptist Church, exists to bring glory to God. That's the primary reason we exist. And Jesus told us in Matthew 28 to do this by making disciples of Jesus. We make disciples of Jesus through gospel-centered worship and community and service and multiplication. And so as I read Acts 2, 42 to 47 now, I want you to keep your eyes out for elements of our church purpose statement that you can find in this passage. Let me read Acts 2, 42 to 47. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings And distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number, day by day, those who were being saved. So again, verse 42 says that first Christians, they devoted themselves to the fellowship. So what was the fellowship? Fellowship is a word that gets thrown out there a lot in church life, and we often use the word incorrectly. Uh, Fellowship is not merely having cookies and coffee together after a church service. Uh, Fellowship is not merely attending a community group or being part of a discipleship group. Fellowship is not merely having some Christian friends. These types of activities can be good things in and of themselves, however, They're they're more like expressions of fellowship because fellowship itself is bigger than each one of these things individually. Uh, I like this quote by Jerry Bridges who says that Christian fellowship is not an activity. Christian fellowship is a relationship. Hear that? Christian fellowship is not an activity. It's a relationship. And help us understand that um, we need to talk about this word Fellowship. In the Greek, the word is koinonia. And one of the things it means is sharing. They were committed to the sharing. So, what does that mean? Well, in this context, what it means is that they were committed to sharing life together. They were devoted to sharing life together. They were not merely devoted to one activity where they would be together, they, they, where they would say, okay, we're really devoted to going to church, a church service. It was bigger than that. We are devoted to sharing a common life together seven days a week. And what we see from this passage and from other passages in the New Testament is that their sharing of life together expressed a really strong sense of unity, right? When you see this, obviously, they were united. Uh, one of the, the other ways this is phrased in the New Testament, you see the phrase, with one accord. They, they decided to do this. They were all united that this is the path that we need to go on. Um, and they were not only interested in preserving the unity among themselves, which we are instructed to, in, to do in Scripture, but also they were in agreement about what they should devote themselves to. And that's because the same Holy Spirit was in each of them. And so, also for the first Christians, what we see here is that sharing life together revealed their love for God and specifically their love for one another. Um, They loved one another with the love of Jesus and with a desire to glorify God with their lives by giving themselves up for each other. Hear that? They wanted to bring glory to God by giving themselves up for each other in according to acts 2 42 to 47 here christians share a common life by sharing three things first of all we share a savior together second we share our days together and third we share our stuff with each other a savior our days and our stuff let's talk about each one of those first of all we share our savior together so, so we have to understand the church is not a building, right? The church is, 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 is not a gathering of people who thinks we are better than our neighbors. Uh, the church is not a humanitarian organization like the Salvation Army or the YMCA. Those are good organizations, but those are not the church. The church is the name God gives to his people, okay? The church is the group of people whom Jesus has given spiritual life to. It is the collection of everybody who trusts in Jesus for salvation and who is subsequently growing in their love for God and for one another. And and the reason we are a church is not because we have made ourselves the church, but because God has made us his church. So when a person trusts in Jesus, when God saves him or her from his or her sin, the Bible says that God adopts that individual into his family he adopts the Christian into his church. We are God's church, we are God's family because we share our Savior. We share the Savior. There is no other Savior that we share. There's one Savior who we share. So remember, to fellowship is to share something, and Christians share Jesus. When Jesus died on the cross, sin. He was not hoping that someday maybe somebody will trust in him and maybe somebody will be saved. No, that's not what the Bible says. Jesus died on the cross knowing that he was saving his people whom God the Father already gave to him. Okay, The Father promised these people to Jesus before he even created these people, known as the church. Remember in John 10, 27-29 Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of the father's hand. That's, that's a praise. And what this means is that as Christians, we are spiritually in fellowship together all the time because we share the same dad. That's how you can say it. God is our Father. When we trust in Jesus and in his atonement for us, he gives us peace with, with our Heavenly Father. Paul talks about, this is the Gospel. We preach to people, you can be reconciled to God. You can be at peace with God through Jesus because of what he's done for you. And God is the one who makes us a spiritual family. So as we are united to God through faith in Jesus, we are also united to one another. faith in Jesus and there's a lot of great illustrations in the New Testament about this right first Corinthians 12 to 14 talks about the body and we're all the parts of the body and Jesus is the head and none of us can say we don't need the other parts Um, there's other illustrations about the church in the New Testament you can read too but this is why baptism is such a beautiful way to visibly join God's family on earth. Because in baptism, what we're doing is we're declaring that because of Jesus, the father is our dad, okay? So that the baptized Christian declares that I trust in Jesus' life and death and resurrection for me, and Jesus united me to himself. That's what I believe happened, that I've been buried with Jesus in his death, and that I've been risen to new life with Jesus. And so as the church on earth, we give thanks for the baptisms because it's a visual, visual, tangible way to celebrate what God has done for us. We wanna make a big deal out of baptisms. Baptisms celebrates that a miracle has been done. God has saved a lost sinner. We praise God for that. So we share life together because we share our savior, Jesus, together. Second, uh, devoting ourselves to fellowship means that we share our days together. Uh, Sharing life together means that our days, or hours, are filled with care and concern for one another. And this happens in dozens of different ways. Let me just list some. Uh, Through community groups when we're together. uh, Getting coffee together with someone. Uh, calling each other on the phone, sending encouraging texts to one another, attending youth group, uh, going to mops and mops play dates, sharing meals together, uh, having fun together, serving at the soup kitchen together, praying together, confessing sin to one another taking communion together, going on mission trips together. All of these types of things depict what it looks like to share our days together. And the important letter here is the letter S at the, at the end of the word days. Because being devoted to sharing our lives together is not merely about sharing one day together. It is about sharing the days of the week together. And coming together on Sunday mornings to worship the Lord is very important. But if we're only in one another's lives for one hour a week, we can't really say we're devoted to this, right? Can't really say I'm devoted to sharing my life with the church. And this idea of sharing your days together uh, in a a good and healthy way, it it might be a foreign concept to you, especially uh, in our culture, in our country. you might have to hang around other people who are doing this to learn what it looks like. That's what I've had to do. Uh, and it's something that is, is probably more easily caught than taught in some ways. Uh, during my entire childhood, my dad was a very, very busy man. Uh, and looking back, I can tell you what he was devoted to. He was devoted to his family, to his job, and to his church. Praise God, I'm thankful that I, I, I had a dad who was, who was that. And, and not, not everyone has that, and I get that. Um, my dad worked for 30 years at Casper College, which is the largest college in Wyoming. And he was the executive director of the Casper College Foundation, and it was a really, really demanding job. In fact, when he retired a few years ago, the college had to hire four people to do the job that he'd been doing. And as busy as my dad was... It was very clear to me that he, what he was devoted to, even more than his job, was our church. Almost every evening, my dad would be on the telephone in the kitchen, talking for 15 to 20 minutes, calling people in our church and checking in on them to see how they were doing. And also, my dad always talked to us kids about the importance of, he called it the ministry of presence which is simply ministering to one another by being with one another, being with people. And so about one night a week, my dad would take one or two of us kids with him in the car to go visit church members in the various rest homes of town. And we spent a lot of time sitting with older people and asking them questions about their life and just praying with them for a few minutes. And also, my dad was fiercely committed to attending church services with his family on Sunday mornings. It was not in a religious way or in some weird legalistic way. It was just really important to my dad that we kids were in Sunday school and that we were in church services singing hymns along older, alongside older saints. And it was important to him that we sat in the service and listened to a sermon. And most weeks, I remember my dad would bring a little pack of certs, mints, or lifesavers, and he would pass them down the pew, and we'd all get a turn, and and he'd be entertaining us that way uh, to help us stay occupied. And I tell you all of that just to give you one picture of what it looks like to share life together, even for a very busy person. Busyness cannot be an excuse not to fellowship, and I've seen it in my dad's own life. What we're really talking about here is living life, This is a big word, but incarnationally together. Um, incarnation means in the flesh. We talked about that a few weeks ago, about what Jesus did. He came incarnationally to us. He came to us in the flesh. He didn't call us on a phone and just say, hey, I hope you guys are gonna do okay. I hope you get your sin problem figured out. He, 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 he came to us. Uh, In John, the idea in John 1 is, it says that Jesus came and he camped with us. He came to the campground and he was with us. And being incarnational um, is the way that Jesus was our Savior and it is the way that Jesus lived his life. Uh, He was touchable. You could see him and talk to him when he was on earth. Uh, When he lived with us on earth, he was showing us a picture of what life is gonna be like for Christians forever in heaven. We will live in Jesus' presence and enjoy him forever in heaven. Amen? And Jesus' example of incarnational living is also the example he wants us to follow as his church. He is the head of the church. We are the body connected to him. This is the model. And so we seek to live life together. Uh, We're concerned about each other. We think about each other during the day. We pray for each other. We want to help each other the same way that Jesus would help us if he were still here in the flesh. You hear that? Uh, We want to, as best as we can, be kind of like Jesus to one another. Here at Cedar Home, uh, we wanna foster this kind of culture of sharing life together by providing three environments where Christians can begin to share life together. I think I have a picture, yeah, okay. So. And through Sunday morning worship services and through community groups and through discipleship relationships. And so we meet every Sunday at 845 for Sunday school for adults and children. And then after that, there's normally a short time in the lobby here. People are hanging out getting coffee and catching up with one another. And then around 10, we worship the Lord together in here through song and through preaching and through the ordinances of the Lord's Supper and baptism. and and then normally there's a kind of a spontaneous fellowship time that happens in here and then after the uh, uh, in the lobby and then about once uh, the last Sunday of each month uh, the leaders hang out in the lobby to to meet new people or whoever has a question and wants to meet with the leaders and uh, in addition to this on Sunday mornings, uh, throughout the week, we have about eight to 10 community groups that meet in various homes. And each group maybe looks a little bit different, but they're, they're, they're led by a person approved by our church leaders. And normally, each group spends a few hours together, one night a week, uh, learning a book of the Bible together or reading through a, a Christian book together and then praying for one another. And most groups include food, too. Uh either a potluck dinner or a dessert. And, and the reason is not just because we like food, but actually because sharing food together is an act of friendship and peace. And it has been for thousands of years. You don't normally eat with your enemies. Acts 2, 42 to 47 says that eating together was a common occurrence among the first Christians. In addition to, to this, in addition to Sunday morning service and, and community groups, uh, There are a number of ways and environments in which you can form discipleship relationships with other Christians here, and what we mean by discipleship relationship is friendships with other Christians where you are intentionally growing in love for God and love for others together. Okay, Uh, it's not something that just happens. It's not just uh, you know I'm gonna hang. I want to be in a. I want to meet with my good buddies for three. You know my three good buddies once a week, and we're gonna. talk about Seahawks most of the time, and then we're gonna call that, we had a great time of fellowship this morning, right? Uh, discipleship relationships is really an intentional commitment together from the get-go to say, we want to grow in the Lord together, and this is how we're gonna do it. Um, this can look a lot of different ways. Some people, like I said, read a Christian book together and meet once a month for a few hours to talk about it and to pray together. I've done that with some, some younger guys, and, Some people meet with four or five other Christians for coffee or breakfast once a week. We have that going on. They discuss a book of the Bible together and pray for each other. Uh, For teenagers and children, if you're a teenager and child, uh, it might simply mean making a Christian friend at youth group or junior church and and getting to know each other better better during the week. That could just be the first uh, launching off point to fellowship for you. And one thing we found is that very often, you can build discipleship relationships more quickly and naturally when you're either in a community group together or when you're serving together. And uh, it is really fun to see people get connected into community uh, at Cedar Home. I, I remember talking to one of our regular attenders a few years back He said, you know, I've been going to church for 20 years and I didn't know what I was missing out on until I joined a community group here. And, um, I was talking about this in Sunday school this morning, but there is just a different level of intimacy uh, that cannot be accomplished on Sunday mornings in a church, a room this size, than when you're sitting in a living room with eight to ten other people and reading the Bible together, right? It's just different. Um, and both are good and both have a, a, a purpose in the church. Um, as opportunities arise, we encourage community groups to, to serve together. Uh, Ray Warlick, where's Ray? Ray, can you raise your hand? Okay, Ray's our chairman of our deacons right now. He leads a, he leads a group that serves at the soup kitchen in town four times a year. And, and if you'd like to help with that and, and, and meet some more people and talk to Ray, uh, I would love to have some friendly people volunteer to simply take a, a gift to visitors to our church. Uh, Cause I just, I can't do it all myself. And if you have that gift, and if you could knock on a door and just tell somebody, thank you for being here. That's it, we just wanna tell you thanks for coming. I would love for you to be part of that. And to be part of that, we have an information table in the lobby and you just tell Peggy, who's gonna be there or whoever she has there, write me down, I wanna be part of that, welcoming that, that, that team. I remember, I don't know if you've ever had that happen to you, um, it, it, uh, it really means a lot. And um, Kim Nelson and I were talking this week about the verse Romans 15, seven, which is welcome one another as Christ welcomed you. Welcome one another as Christ welcomed you. I remember when I was a sophomore in college, I've uh, been a freshman or sophomore in college at the University of Wyoming, I was on the sixth floor of the dorms, I attended a church, It takes a lot, honestly, to get a college kid in church um, on a Sunday morning. And I had somebody, I couldn't believe it, somebody from the church came to me the week after I visited and brought me a loaf of bread. (laughs) They came to the dorm. These elevators were not good elevators, okay? This was, I got stuck in one. It was scary. Um, You kind of risked your life to go into the dorms. And, And these people brought me bread. And you know what? I was hooked because of that. I went to that church, I went on to lead Sunday school at that church, and I went on to be the youth director at that church for two years because someone brought me bread. That's the kind of experience we wanna give people here at Cedar Home, and we all get to be part of that. Um, As a church, we wanna provide these environments where spiritual friendships can be made and where we can begin to share life together. We're not saying this is exclusively what it looks like because at the end of the day, each of us as individuals is responsible for taking the initiative to involve ourselves in fellowship. Um, Like anything else in life, we will only share our lives together as a church family if that's something we are devoted to, right? Now, according to today's passage, the third way that we share life together as Christians is by sharing our stuff with each other. Acts 2.44 says that the first Christians had all things in common. That's what it says. Meaning that the possessions of any one Christian were used for the blessing of all of God's people. The Christians, and this is not communism we're talking about, that always comes up whenever you talk about this. It's not. This was not forced on anybody. The Christians were not forced to share their stuff, the Holy Spirit was moving in amazing ways and created a united desire in the hearts of each and every one of the Christians to share what they had for the use of the church and for its mission. And Acts 2.45 then says that the Christians were even selling their, what they had, they were selling their possessions and their belongings in order to share the proceeds with the other Christians in need and this is such a great thing that was happening this is such a cool thing that was happening in the early church remember that one of the wonderful truths of the gospel is that salvation and life with God through Jesus Christ is available to people of all financial classes right the gospel is not just for the rich the gospel is not just for the middle class the gospel is not just for the poor no matter how much money we make or how little money we make, we all equally need Jesus to save us from our sin. And so what was happening here in Acts, where you have to remember, in certain parts of the world and in ancient times, there were much more caste systems where you just didn't talk to people if they were in this level. Uh, You know, you hear about that in India today. You don't talk to the untouchables. Well, the gospel goes to everybody. The gospel breaks through all our human boundaries and connects us with one another. And um, what was happening here is that we read there were wealthy people, there were rich people trusting in Jesus now, and they were joining the church. And at the same time, there were poor people, there were slaves and servants joining the church, trusting in Jesus at the same time. And the church was totally diverse. And the the church was and is a group of redeemed people who would likely never share life together if it weren't for Christ. That's reality. The gospel is what makes us, the gospel of Jesus makes us, we have no room for arrogance at the foot of the cross. We're not better than anybody. No matter how much we have or or how much we don't have, we're not any worse than anybody in Jesus. We are sons and daughters of a king in Jesus. As they devoted this, as as this really diverse group devoted themselves to sharing life together, they understood that it meant to devote themselves to the health and well-being of one another in every way. And since they no longer saw each other as rich people and poor people, but or slaves, they saw each other as brothers and sisters in Christ. They wanted to take care of each other. This is my brother. This is my sister i got to take care of them. And so their mindset was this, and you see this in Philippians and Paul and, and other places in the New Testament, that everything I own, my land, my real estate, uh, my, uh, my money, my job, my home, my food, my tools, everything I own has first been given to me by God. That's when Israel and and when people get in real trouble, when you think you got your stuff, you earned it, and that it belongs to you. And you're gonna learn one way or the other that none of it belongs to you. That's what God says. You don't take any of it with you. None of it comes with you. And so um, the people were thinking, well, I have these things, you know, whatever it is, just for a little while on earth, I don't get to take any of it when I die. And so what I want to do is make the greatest impact for the glory of God with what I do have in eternity in the lives of other people. Amen. That's what I want to do. Because if I, we all invest our money and our energy into stuff. But if you can invest what you have, think about this, to make an eternal difference in the lives and salvations of people, there is not a greater investment you can make. There isn't. Um, when God makes us reborn, when he gives us, it says, it, that's what, you know, it says he makes us born again. What that means is spiritually we have new life. We're, we are different fundamentally than we were before we trust in Jesus. What happens is he begins to change us and he begins to change our hearts and our desires and he begins to change the way that we see the world around us. And he begins to reveal to us that the things of the earth that we once treasured are nothing in comparison to knowing Jesus. And that's not a trite thing. That's, and sometimes we learn those lessons by being devastated by the things we trust in and losing them. And we begin to see our possessions by God's grace as just stuff. That's why I use the word, we share our stuff And some stuff is good stuff, but it doesn't define the Christian. It wouldn't devastate me if I didn't have it. I might be sad a little bit. But can you say that about your stuff? Can you say that you wouldn't be devastated if you didn't have it? If you didn't live in the house you lived in? If you lived in a really small studio apartment, would you be good with that? That's a question we all have to ask to find out where our treasure really is. And it's God's grace, honestly, a lot of times when he breaks us. Because I don't know how it is in those times where often people trust in Jesus for the first time and when people renew their faith in Jesus again and grow strong. Because we're idle factories. We're made to worship something. And there's a lot of things trying to get us to worship them instead of Jesus. And so God is growing us and helping us learn what it means to keep our eyes on Jesus and to worship him and to be totally satisfied in him alone. And what happens is it it becomes a blessing uh, when we become content with having less. And it becomes a blessing to us and to God to offer what we do have to God and to his people. Because we know that there's nothing greater we could do with our lives on earth than to impact the eternity of others with the love of Jesus. You get that? your job, whatever you do, there is nothing greater you could do in that position than to impact the lives of other people for Jesus. Whatever job you have, you can find a way to do that. Even if you work totally by yourself, you're not with people, you can pray. You can, there's, there's that is the goal though. God, I've got this much time, left. Lo- I don't know how much time left I have, but help me to use what I have right now to glorify you, God. Um, in today's passage, it shows us that, that uh, Christians then share our lives together by, by sharing our Savior, by sharing our days and by sharing our stuff. So three questions. Are are you sharing a common life with other Christians by sharing the Savior with them? Two, are, are you sharing a common life with other Christians by sharing your days with them? And third, are you sharing a common life with other Christians by sharing your stuff with them? God does not want to stiff arm us into living this way. God wants it to be a joy for us to share life together. It does not mean it's easy, right? That's not the picture the New Testament paints. It doesn't mean, oh, there's no conflict, this church just got along peacefully. No, that's not what the New Testament says. Yet they were devoted to this. And this is why the early Christians lived this way, not because anyone was forced to, but because they they loved it. And God will help us love what he loves when we trust in him and he will help us love what he loves when we devote ourselves to becoming like him but what is the point of this that's a big let's ask the big question what's the end goal of devoting our lives to one another what's God doing why is this so important well well God is doing something really wonderful in us and through us as individuals and as a church when we share life together Primarily, he is making us holy like he is holy. Hear that? God is holy, holy, holy. There's nobody like him. He's the most glorious thing in all of existence. So, what is the most wonderful thing he could do for us? Make us like him. Make us holy. Marriage is not for happiness, but for holiness. The church is not for happiness, it's for holiness. And as we share life together, Jesus pours out his love onto others through us. You see that? Christian, because of Jesus in you, you are a conduit of God's grace and love to others. That's how God wants to work through you. Even if you're like, I don't have anything to offer. You don't know who you are in Christ. That's the reality. You need to have a greater vision of who God has made you into by having a greater vision of who God is. And by sharing life together, God is revealing his glory through our love for one another. It's not normal. People should look and say, that's not normal, the way those people love one another. And this is why God made you. As a Christian, as a a person, this is why God made all people, to bring him glory because he is holy. He deserves to be worshiped. He deserves to be pointed to and say, that is awesome. And he's making me into his image. <laughs> Praise God. This is what it means in Genesis that God made humans his image bearers. Right? Who else, what else did he make in his image? Nothing. God didn't make humans because he needed us to take care of the planet for him. He created us as his image bearers to reflect his image to glory. Uh, To to, to creation and to say God is glorious because of our sin that image of God in us is marred but because of Jesus he restores and redeems the image of God in us and helps us to glorify God again the way we were designed to create it to first John 4 7 to 12 says it this way beloved let us love one another talking about the church for love is from God Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. So when we devote ourselves to sharing gospel centered life together as a church family, we're devoting ourselves to loving one another and to loving the Lord. And that is how God is glorified and we are blessed. And that's why fellowship matters. That's why we want to devote ourselves to the sharing of a common life together. Next Sunday, I wanna get more practical. I wanna, this is gonna kinda be a two-parter. I want to talk about what are the obstacles that hinder us from doing this? Why is this hard for us? And how can we navigate those obstacles with the help of the gospel and with the help of the Holy Spirit to live life together the way that the Lord intends it. I hope you'll come back for that, let me pray for us. Dear Lord Jesus, uh, we thank you for doing for us what we couldn't do for ourselves, God, uh, for paying the penalty for our sins on that cross, God, so that we won't have to suffer and go to hell, God, but that uh, we might have new life in you, Jesus, that we might be born again through faith in you, and God, we just admit that we are sinful, imperfect people, we rest in the gospel, we thank you for the gospel, uh, we're learning to grow in grace, we're learning to love our neighbors as ourselves, and we just pray that you would help us, God, to think less of ourselves and to think more of one another, and to think about how we can encourage and minister to one another, and um, how we can use what you've given us, our stuff, to to bring glory to you and to use it for the aid of our brothers and sisters in Christ and for the the mission for your church here at Cedar Home. Thank you, God, uh, for your grace in our lives. Thank you for um, the opportunity of salvation that we have in Jesus Christ. I pray that we will trust in you and uh, continue to grow in loving you and loving others according to your word.